We are going to be this morning in the book of John chapter 4 and verse number 35. John chapter 4 and verse number 35. I'll read one verse for your standing and then you could sit down for the remainder of the text that we'll be reading. And uh, so John chapter 4 verse 35, if you're with me say amen. Good enough. Jesus speaking to his disciples says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Father, for the next few minutes, help me to preach your word with unction from on high. Open our hearts, our understanding, and help us to go on the word you give us today. In Christ's name we pray. God's people say amen. Amen. You can be seated in God's presence. With God's help, I want to preach a few minutes on this thought. Ready or not, it's time to push. If you're looking at our text... Jesus is essentially uh, describing two different kinds of crowds, two different kinds of perspectives. First, he's addressing those to whom it has been given the responsibility of going and telling the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he references those who will be the direct recipients and beneficiaries of those efforts. And he clearly describes how that one side uh, looks at things as if they can take their time and be in no rush and they'll eventually get around to it when the season's right, when the moment's right, when this happens, when that happens. And, And then he describes the perspective and condition of the recipients who are all ready to receive the word from God. So in other words, Jesus is essentially teaching the disciples and like and in like fashion teaching his church today whether it be Washington Heights Baptist Church or any other gospel preaching church in the earth uh, that the fields are all ready for us. They are ready for us. The only ones waiting The only ones that seem to think that they have the luxury of taking their time and dragging their feet are the ones that are already saved by the grace of God and are not facing pending judgment. Those who are already being rescued, those who are already stand to benefit from a a life in heaven bought and paid for by Jesus, uh, why it's easy for us to not get in a hurry after all we're saved and we're just as good for heaven as if we were already there. And if we're not careful, we'll forget that there are people all around this church uh, within even walking distance uh, that if we don't get the gospel to them, they will eventually spend eternity without Christ in a place called the lake of fire. And one of the uh, great uh, damnable judgments, uh, if you will, one of the great uh, 
uh, things that rather would rob us of our reward at the judgment seat of Christ, I believe, is the fact that we uh, procrastinate, the fact that we say, well, we've got to do this and we've got to have that and we've got to have so-and-so. And, and we come up with all these reasons why we are not prepared to go, but all the while Jesus is saying they are more than prepared to hear what we've got to say. Why the lost in their condition are better equipped to receive and hear the word than we are to tell the word. And this is an indictment to the house of God. This is an indictment to those who are called and commissioned to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, that we in our luxury, that we in our comforts uh, would choose rather to lollygag around and drag our feet and wait until a more convenient time to get busy serving God while the rest of the world is desperately hoping that somebody will throw them a lifeline of hope. Uh, and while we are comfortable uh, knowing that we're blessed, assurance Jesus is mine we'll sing it to the top of our lungs but they don't have no assurance they don't have no hope they're miserable, blind, wretched, poor they're on their way to hell and if somebody don't get to them they're going to bust hell wide open and we can continue to pretend like we're having church but if we're not reaching the lost then we have failed as a mission for Christ my message is hot and heavy today, ready or not. It's time to push. Jesus is telling his disciples, uh, you may not be ready, but they've long been ready to hear. Uh, it's time to quit making excuses, uh, and it's time to do what it takes to get the gospel to them. Ready or not, it's time to push. I've often observed that when a pastor such as myself uh, begins to encourage and push and fan the flame of revival and challenge people to get engaged. I often find uh, that those who are on the fence uh, seek more separation from the church rather than more engagement because uh, the reality of their lack of involvement makes them so uncomfortable that rather than being willing to swallow their pride and repent of their sin and get right with God, they'd rather dodge the issue and tell and go somewhere where they'll just leave them alone. They'll let them come to church when they want to. They won't push them for anything they won't expect them to do anything and I didn't I didn't come to Thompson Georgia just to go at alone for Jesus I came to try to rally up some people that'll get on fire for God and do something to make a difference for the cause of Christ and we need to do this thing together or we need not do it at all amen so I don't make any apologies for expecting more how could I expect you uh, how could I expect any less of you than the Bible expects of me? How can I expect anybody to do less than what the Bible calls us all to do, and that's to be a trumpet with the gospel of Jesus Christ? The Bible teaches us that ready or not, it's time to push. I read over in the book of John, chapter 16, and verse 21, where a woman, when she is in travail or child labor hath sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of a child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow. But I will see you again in your heart. Shall rejoice in your joy. No man taketh from y'all. I love this passage. 
Indeed, it costs travail. Indeed, it costs sorrow to give birth to a move of God. Indeed, it takes uh, agony and prayer and pushing hard, uh, just as a woman that has to push to give birth. Uh, so a church must push, push, push to reach their community. We cannot be lazy. We cannot be lackadaisical. We cannot be comfortable. We must push, 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 and it's going to hurt uh, and it's going to cost. But what does the Bible say? As soon as that baby is born, oh, it's time to rejoice. Uh, all of a sudden, you can shout the victory, and we all like the Instagram photos and the Facebook pictures of when the baby has shown up and everybody talks about how beautiful that little baby is even if it's ugly, amen uh, they'll talk about just how pretty that thing is, uh, oh and it's cheap talk because they don't know the story the mother went through, it might be pretty but it cost her something to give birth amen, uh, and sometimes God does a work such as what he's done in your heart and in my heart since God sent you to Washington Heights Baptist Church uh, oh and it looks good, people hear about what God did for so and so oh they went to that church over there and the Holy Ghost got a hold of them and they got saved and they'll rejoice that somebody got in but they don't know how much it cost for them to be here they don't know the cost of the labor and the toil and the sweat and the tears of faithful saints of God that paid the price to keep the doors open that paid the price that we could be here whenever they were coming searching for answers amen oh and it hurts to serve God it's painful to serve God but it's also very rewarding when we see the fruit of our labor so many times we get so focused on the cost and the loss that we forget that there's a reward for the righteous amen and we got to quit looking at the cost and the loss and start looking at the gain looking at the joy Jesus said who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool Jesus endured the cross cause he saw you and and he saw me uh, uh, as rewards of the price that he had to pay to redeem our wretched soul. And if Jesus could endure the cross, we who are likely not to resist under blood, striving against sin, ought not to complain and whine and carry on when it hurts a little more than we thought it would hurt, when it be a little more inconvenient than we thought it would be, when we had to give up more than we ever thought we'd have to give up, uh, we ought to just say and rejoice and thank God that we're counted worthy to be a numbered amongst the chosen few. Amen. Thank God that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life and I'm part of an elite group. Are you hearing what I'm saying? King's kids. I'm talking about children of the Most High God. Children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I am on a higher mission than anything this world could give me so far as an assignment is concerned and I make no apologies for fanning the flames of revival and challenging the church to rise up and be counted for oh it's time to push ready or not you say preacher we're not ready for that yet that's up to the Holy Ghost amen because the Holy Ghost knows the little child over there about two miles down the road sitting on Sunday morning lonely because his mom and dad didn't even wake up because they're still in a drunken stupor and that child's having to fend for herself that child's trying to cook something for breakfast this morning because nobody loves that child while the church is sitting here comfortable in our heated buildings amen and we dwell in our sealed houses and we're rejoicing in the goodness of God. There's a lost and dying world just right around us that needs somebody to walk up, knock on the door and say, hey young, can I buy you a breakfast and take you to church today? Amen. I'm talking about it's time to get desperate for the lost.
it's time to realize how desperate they are. The question is not whether or not we're ready. The question is whether or not they're ready to hear. And I submit to you, you'd be shockingly surprised at how much they would respond if you would just go. Well, I thought that's what we paid the preacher to do. That's where you thought wrong. Amen. I'm going to go just because it's in me, but I don't go because you pay me to go. I go because God told me to go. And you need to go because God told you to go because we can't all do it alone. Amen. Amen, preacher. That's good preaching right there. Even if I do say so myself. I'm talking about it's time to push whether we're ready or not. Because... uh, in order to give birth, there needs first, number one, to be intimacy. you got to be in love with Jesus. Amen. <laughs> you know what it took for me and Amy to start a family? It took us falling in love with each other. You know what it's going to take for the church to have babies, to have converts? You're going to have to fall so in love with Jesus that you'll love the sinners he loves. That you'll go see the people he would go see. Amen. That you would, I'm not talking about the, the, the people that you would prefer to sit beside in church that are well established in the community and, 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 and well respected amongst society. No, I'm talking about the wretched drunks. Amen. I'm talking about the heart, whores and harlots. I'm talking about the people that the world has cast aside. They used them, abused them, and discarded them like a rag doll. And we as a church need to go and tell them that Jesus loves them because nobody else does. Jesus said, I came not for the righteous, but for sinners. I prayed the Lord to touch me and help me preach this, and I'm preaching in a way I didn't even plan to preach. So thank the Lord. He answered my prayer. Amen. It's time to push. I remember when Caleb was born. We had plans that day. Amen. We had, what was an old-fashioned weekend? Big day at the church plan. Everybody's going to come in their bibbed overalls. Some of them going riding horse and wagon. We're just going to make a fun day. Of it. By the way, I wouldn't be opposed to doing something like that around here, amen. It'd be a lot of fun, <laughs> just for the fun of it. And uh, folk get saved because they're curious, and you're going to preach the gospel, whatever, you know. But we had a big plan that day, but Caleb decided to come early, on his due date. And you know what I did? Amy woke me up and said, uh, it's time. And ready or not, I had to go. If we hadn't got there when we did, Amy would have missed her opportunity to get her epidural. And we thank God she got there in the nick of time for that. Am I right? Am I telling the story right? Huh? You, you know what happened? See, when a baby... When it's time for a baby to come, it don't ask you for, uh, for permission. It just comes. Furthermore, when God gets ready to send revival to a church, he's not asking you for permission. When God wants to birth a new ministry or new ministries into the church, he's not sitting around waiting for people to be comfortably, conveniently uh, informed and ready and prepared for it because God knows if we, he waited on us to have all of our ducks in a row, we'd never have half of them ready for what he's got for us. So he, 
does just what he does in the natural, so he does in the spiritual. When he gets ready to give birth uh, in, a, in a ministry to a move of God, uh, ready or not, the baby's coming. Now, you can cooperate with it or you can ignore it. You can say there's no room for him in the end, but God will find a little stable over there in Bethlehem or somewhere, and he'll give birth to what he wants to do with or without your cooperation. But I'm telling you what, church, uh, it's time that the church of the living God get ready and say, Lord, come what, let come what may, uh, but may we be a birthing place for all that you have in your heart and forget our ideas and forget but the problem is we have people that are standing ready on standby to abort the baby that God wants to give birth to or at minimum cause injury I have a dear friend in Mississippi that I pastor I won't mention the name but this mother had a child uh, whose birth experience was traumatic, to say the least. What they should have done was before that baby got low enough to get into the birth canal, they should have performed a C-section. But since they didn't, that baby got lodged in the birth canal. And malpractice occurred. Someone got on top of her to push down and try to push that baby out the birth canal and did so much damage that that child's got conditions today that he'll have to live with the rest of his life and we don't know what his life expectancy is because of it. To my knowledge, that family has never had another baby either. Who would blame them? You know what I see God trying to do in his churches all across this land today is do something new. Breathe in a fresh move of God. Out with the stale bread that ain't never performed no miracle. Are you listening? That ain't never allowed God to really move like he said he could or would or wants to. And instead, what we're trying to do is we're trying to birth a baby to our liking and our timing and our method. Uh, amen. And we, and we sometimes can damage what God's trying to birth. And it might get birthed, but it's, it's, it's damaged goods. And it may not ever do be all that God wanted it to be because some man had to put his hands on God's process. Maniac midwives with crazy ideas that are detrimental to the health of what it is God's wanting to birth in that church. Oh, we can't have that baby. You talking about preacher, that baby's going to get us labeled. That baby's going to get us spin out. That, that baby's going to, ain't no telling. We better put the brakes on that preacher before he takes us too far down. That. You better be careful what you advise against the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you right now as your pastor, I give you my word. I pray about anything I preach before this congregation. And I pray about anything I propose in a business meeting or otherwise. It's not taken lightly, it's taken very seriously. And it discourages a pastor's heart in any church when they cast a vision just for wet blankets to be constantly thrown on top of it or worse, for midwives with butchery in their heart to try to abort something before it ever gives birth. And today I'm saying, ready or not, God's wanting to do something bigger than any of us. God's wanting to do something bigger than our former experiences and perspectives. 
God wants to get out of the banks here. Uh, I mean, I don't know if this church has ever seen the walls packed and people getting saved every week and uh, people going through the baptismal every week. Uh, uh, but I'm telling you, it's possible. It's not only possible, it's probable for those that will reach out and take uh, what it is that God wants us to do. But we'll never get there uh, if we have midwives that with ill intent. Are we okay? Say amen. Ready or not, it's time to push. And I just know that the vision God's put in my heart is bigger than me. And it's bigger than anybody else. And I cannot reduce the size of my vision to fit a man-made box. Nor will I. I'm praying God burst this baby. Amen. Worldwide ministry from Thompson, Georgia, reaching the masses with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why not? Why dream small when we have such a big God? Amen. Why reach for the dirt when we can reach for the stars for Christ? But it's going to require intimacy and worship. That intimacy is being able to say, Lord... You're all I have, you're all I want, you're all I need. Uh, Lord, I am your servant, speak to me and I will obey. Intimacy, travail. Not only does it require intimacy, but it requires that travail. Amen. In the book of Psalm chapter 66 and verse number 11, he said, Thou broughtest us into the net, thou laidst affliction upon our loins. Oh, I seek no pity parties. But some of you would be in shock if you knew what it actually cost me and my family to move to Thompson, Georgia. You would be in total shock. That's why I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) But see, I'm not relying on you. I'm relying on my Lord. And you know what? I've got a good promise from the Lord that He's going to take good care of me. And I've got a good promise from my Lord that what he, that good work He's begun in me, He's going to finish. Amen. He's going to finish it. Whether I have a midwife to help or not, He's going to finish it. Amen. Whether I have participation or not, He's going to finish it. Whether I have help and support or whether I'm shunned and shamed and disqualified and discredited by men, God's going to do what God's going to do. And all I'm asking is for people to follow the voice of God. Amen. Follow the voice. Don't follow my voice. If my voice is contradictory to that book, then you'll know not to follow it. Amen. All I ask is that we line it up with the book. Is that too much to ask? For some it is. I know it's quiet, but it's all right. Ready or not, it's time to push. It requires intimacy and requires travail. The other day I was thinking about some of those costs. Brother Bunny, last Saturday morning I woke up in a depression that I'd never faced before. Weeping before the presence of God over losses, perceived losses, till the Holy Ghost corrected me and reminded me what Paul said those things I count, thought were gain, I count as loss for Christ, that I may win Christ. 
that I may win. Because funny thing about giving birth, it ain't never pretty. It ain't never kosher. It ain't never easy. It's always a little dirty, a little nasty. Amen? It's not pretty. Amen? I don't understand these families that come in with the cameras rolling during the whole process. It ain't pretty. Amen? <laughs> but when God does something through his servants, and it gets a little nasty and ugly, and you can't quite figure it out, and it don't, it don't, it don't match your checklist of uh, perfection. Amen. You can't, you can't abort the baby because the process was ugly. I can guarantee you right now, I ain't nothing like anybody expected. I don't know if anybody can know what to expect of me. I don't even know what to expect of myself. But as I was sitting there, Brother Art, praying, oh, I got to thinking about the souls that's been saved since we come. I got, to th I got to thinking about the testimonies of people said, you know, God's really warmed up my heart since you've come and preached. And I got, to, I got to thinking, and I'm not bragging. I'm bragging on the Lord this morning. But God had to help me see the joy of the babies that were born so that I could forget the pain that it cost to see that happen. And my challenge for the church is be willing to suffer loss for Christ. Be willing to put it all on the line if that's what it takes. We got one chance to win this world. Are we going to butcher it or are we going to birth the baby? It's going to require travail, it's going to require intimacy. But most importantly, it's going to require hope or anticipation. Verse 12 of Psalm 66. But thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. How many of you make God a lot of promises when you need help? David said, when you do help me, I'm going to follow up on my promises. I'm not going to forget about you. So many people make God, oh, I'll serve you. If you get me out of this bind, Lord, it's, I'm a different man from here on out. As soon as he gets you out of your bind, you forgot what you told God, and you lied to the Holy One of Israel. And God is calling you to repentance. It's time to pay your vows. God being so good to you, how can you live self, self, uh, selfishly for self and not give God the praise and the honor and the service that is due His name. See, I don't serve God to be saved. I don't serve God to gain brownie points in favor with God. If I got what I deserved, I'd be in hell with my back broke this morning. I serve God because I love Him. I serve God because He loves me. I serve God because He saved me in spite of my old sorry, dirty, rotten, no good for nothing self. Amen. And if we don't get, fall in love with with Jesus, we'll never serve him for any of the right reasons. And the reason a lot of people, Brother White, today don't commit their life to Jesus Christ from start to finish because they're too in love with self instead of too in love with the Savior. They love their self 
more than anybody else. You know how I can keep my promise to my wife that I love her till death do us part? Because I commit to love her more than anybody else. Yeah. Amen. Besides Jesus, of course. <laughs> Men, you'll get in trouble trying to love on other women. Ladies, you'll get in trouble trying to love on other men. And a lot of us are in trouble with God because we're loving on everything but Jesus right now. Oh, we love our careers. We love our jobs. We love our uh, conveniences. We love our bass boats. We love our this. Nothing wrong with fine stuff as long as that fine stuff don't come, become finer in your eyes than the lovely Lamb of God. Oh, where's the sacrifice today in this Laodicean church age where we say we are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and we think that we're doing good as long as there's plenty of money in the bank account. But I can show you many a spiritually bankrupt church with millions of dollars in their account. Because God trusted them with something and they buried it in the ground as an unrighteous servant rather than taking the risk and loving God with it and loving their community with it. Amen. A man's life, and I'd say a church's life, consisteth not in the abundance of things which we possess, but it's not what we hold in our hands, it's who we hold in our heart. We've got to have enough faith to believe that if all is lost for Christ, I'll gain something somewhere along down the road, or after I get to heaven, it'll be worth it all. Amen. But I cannot count my losses. Rather, the Bible teaches us to think on the things that are pure and lovely and honest. When it says, think on these things, it says take into account these things I'm going to have to quit counting my losses and what it's cost me and how it's hurt me and I'm going to start having to count what, what God used and how God blessed and how it can honor God amen and when I start taking into account the goodness of God and the promises of God and the power of God and the favor of God it, uh, the, the, my losses and my, my infirmities and my ailments and all the things and my pains everything that it cost me pales in comparison it pales in comparison. You say, well, what if we do everything God leads you to lead us to do? And we end up broke, busted, and disgusted. Well, if God led us there, he must have a plan. He led them right into the wilderness. He said, I suffer thee to hunger that thou mayest learn that man doeth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doeth man live. It's up to God whether we hunger or whether we are well fed. It's up to God whether we have plenty or whether we have little. He's the boss. I know some people worry about this kind of preaching because I'm unpredictable. The only reason I'm unpredictable is because I don't honestly have a clue what God's fixing to do next. But I've learned to trust him. I'm learning to trust him. Amen. God keeps us on an as-need-to-know basis. When we need to know it, he'll let us know it. And until then, he'll keep it hidden. You know why God does that? It keeps not only our focus on trusting Him, but also uh, turns uh, the enemy, uh, uh, makes the enemy blind. Mm -hmm. God has an advantage when He keeps us in a posture of not seeing too far ahead. Like the old songwriter said, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Amen. I can't live as, I, I don't feel like I can live the level of commitment 
that I'm challenging you to pursue. But I'm trying. But if I don't preach a truth that's higher than where I'm at, then I'm not preaching it right. Amen. It's got to be higher than me. Because, see, that's, just, that's a mistake some people made. They think, well, that preacher, that hypocrite, I can't believe he challenged. I'm just, I know for a fact that that preacher got some dirt. I know, I can tell you right now what that preacher's not doing right. And I'm sure you can. I'm sure you think you can. Amen. I'm not preaching Gary Caldwell. I'm preaching Jesus Christ. I'm preaching that book. I'm just sharing some personal experience for the benefit of all. Amen. My life is an open book. I'm more transparent than the average pastor. And I just decided a long time ago if I have to be fake, then and if I have to be transparent to keep from being fake, then I'll just have to be too transparent. And if people don't like to find out that their preacher is not perfect, then so be it. Got news for you. There ain't a preacher in the world perfect. Amen. Amen. We're going to blunder. We're going to make mistakes. We're not going to dot every I. We're not going to cross every T. Amen. And, and even when God gives us direction and prerogative, sometimes we're going to mess that up. Sometimes we're going to hear it quite, not quite as clearly because we're not as close to God as we should have been. Sometimes we get frustrated. Sometimes we, our vision is blurred. Sometimes we get detoured. There's a lot. But that's why we need the help of the Lord to put midwives in our ministry that will help birth the baby that God wants the church to birth for the glory of God. But we got to have hope, anticipation. He said, uh, verse 13, I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. Listen, what you're going through as a church is not meant to kill you, but it's meant to bless you. You'd be surprised and shocked at the fruit of consistent, faithful labor over time. Church, don't give up. Just because it didn't work before don't mean it won't start working. Well, I invited them. They never come, so I quit inviting. That might have been the week that they'd have come if you'd invited them one more time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Never give up. Be consistent. Be faithful as clockwork. Amen, but just focus entirely on the mission at hand and leave the results up to God. And you see if God don't start adding to the church daily or weekly or monthly, such as should be saved. And, and God will start even sending people that are already saved and have a hunger and thirst for righteousness and want to see God move. And God will put the right people here with a spiritual mindset to pray our way through obstacles, uh, to pray our way through circumstances, to pray resources in, uh, to pray the right people in that will commit to what it's going to take to do the work amen ready or not it's time to push I'll close with this verse John 4 36 and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal let's not forget that <laughs> he that reapeth well you can't reap if you don't get on the field Amen. You can't reap if you don't get on through. Listen, I know there's a lot of people in our church that are just physically not able to go and do like we're preaching. And I don't want you, your feelings to be hurt today because I'm not preaching to you. Because I know probably, truth be known, you pray us through more than you could ever work us through. 
and I appreciate it. But this is a challenge for the younger generation that, that can practically commit to the work on a deeper level to do so. Simply to reprioritize, figure, figure it out. Amen. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be casting vision. We're going to be introducing uh, ministry ideas and concepts that we're going to be asking the church to just bathe in prayer and see if the Holy Spirit don't touch people's hearts to jump in on something and get involved in it. We're just going to see how God leads the way.